ahead with WKGN. One, three, four, oh. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves. Good morning to you as we broadcast live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It is the morning show. Happy Friday, January 12th. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard. As we get set to set up your day and recap you on the things from the day before. Bob, how are you, my friend? I'm great, man. Week one, we're closing it out. It's been a long week. I mean, a good one. There's been a lot to cover. Talk about good first week to, you know, come out and talk about sports news. My God. There were some things. Yeah, there was a part of me that's like, huh, well, it's all downhill from here, though. (laughs) Well, maybe. Um, But sometimes going downhill is a good thing. You you can coast, right? I mean, I, I... I don't. I never know if it's always a bad thing, or you know, you don't want to go uphill. Usually, I mean, that's that's tough as well, right? To go uphill. So saying it's downhill could be a good thing. I don't know. Glass half full, glass half empty. I guess. Yeah, we've had. That's a little too deep for seven a.m. in the nah, morning. I don't know. No, nah, it's okay. I uh, I feel like yeah, it's been a good first week. Had some good guests, um, and uh, again, a lot of good news to talk about. The carry over into today and. Then we can recharge over the weekend, and there's a lot on the weekend happening too, which is cool. I did think this morning that, yeah, I'm finally excited for a weekend. It's been a while since that really mattered to me, where I was like, ah, you know, the weekend's the weekend's for sports, but today I woke up and was like, oh, the weekend. I can sleep in on Saturday. That'll, yeah. that'll be good. I'll, I'll take it easy tonight and catch up on some sleep and catch up on some TV. Nice. I got to be honest, I play uh... – I play uh, pickup basketball on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., and it, it may not happen tomorrow. Um, <laughs> might have to take a, take a break. A load management day. Load, load management <laughs> is right. Um, yeah. So I could just say that uh, I went to uh, – have any of you guys ever gone to get a sports massage, like a sports therapist? I did physical therapy when I had, like, a hurt neck for a while, but that was, that was it. I did it, yes. I've done it a couple times. I would actually highly recommend it. It's um, it's a little painful during the process, but you, you then learn how unstretched out you really are until you do something like that. Um, because then I feel great, but I may use that as an excuse in the morning tomorrow that I'm still too sore from <laughs> the stretch therapy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the weekend for sure. Sam, how about you? Yeah, looking forward to the weekend as well. You know, I mean, I, I think – I think I'm kind of right there with John. You know, you'll, you'll get a chance to sleep in on on Saturday, not have to worry about waking up on time and everything like that. It, it Take it easy and go watch some basketball. You, it does kind of hurt me to hear you say that, Sam. As a, as a college age student, I, I want you to enjoy your Fridays. Just just tough it There's out. There's not that many people in town either. Yet, okay, so. so the students haven't yeah, been back yet. Only still like two or three week. of my buddies are kind of still in town, and we're. Fair enough. We texted about like going bowling and watching basketball and I'm, watching playoff football. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm worried if you're gonna say yeah tonight, man. I'm just gonna, you know, sit in, watch Blue Bloods, <laughs> turn in early. <laughs> Gotta catch up on the, uh, uh, the seven p.m. T- couple NCIS episodes yeah, yeah. I haven't watched. <laughs> yeah, 
Wheel of Sh- Fortune, probably. Chicago Fire, <laughs> Chicago Med. You know, they run that trio of Chicago shows. i gotta, I got to catch up on those. Hey, I, I, I haven't asked you, but I've noticed. Um, how many hats do you own, man? You've, you're like, it's a different hat each day. I, I got a couple new hats for Christmas because I feel like I was going stale with my rotation there for a little bit. I'm, I'm like on a solid, I like to pick my favorite four or five, I think. Jake Miller's got his jerseys that he wears on his show, and, and I guess I guess your thing, Sam, is your hat. Yeah, maybe. I think it is. I was, I pretty frequently wore a hat on the Blitz too, but I feel like maybe just seven a.m. I just kind of get out of the shower sometimes, and I just throw a hat on and, and just get out of the door and go. And the wearing the headphones kind of messes my hair up a little bit. Yeah, Do you yeah, have that problem, yeah, John? For sure. That's a good one. Good one. <laughs> nice. I get it, because I'm bald. <laughs> Speaking of guests we've had on this week, I did see some people pointing out in my life that Rick Barnes is 0-1. I know. Following uh, interviews yeah. with the morning show, people have said... It was nice having him on. We'll never see it again. <laughs> um, people have pointed out we might be bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that was... Not good. Not good. Not good. Until we lose a home game, then we're bad luck. You know, I I would just say that in most weeks you would say, hey, if I got two road games, we'll take one and one. Now, not always. And, you know, if George is one of those teams, maybe you don't exactly lock it in. But, like, one and one in your two road games, that'll be okay. Just just go undefeated at home, like you said, Sam. That's right. Win win like 67% of your road games and go undefeated at home, and that's how you win the league. I don't know that math, but hopefully that adds up to 15 conference wins. Yeah, like me Will too. Said. I don't know it either, but hopefully it does. <laughs> that keeps sticking in my head when uh, another guest earlier in the week, Will Warren, said uh, 15 and 3 in conference. Man, that feels. I would have said that even before the Mississippi State game. That feels pretty aggressive mm-hmm. uh, or ambitious, would be maybe the better word. It's, you know, playing Kentucky twice and. Uh, there's, there's just, uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tough games in this conference. We know that. So, uh, it, it brought me back whenever Tennessee went, what, 15 and three and was the three seed in the SEC tournament a couple, like, you know, a handful of years ago, I had violent flashbacks to that. Just thinking, man, you always kind of forecast, okay, Tennessee's going to be at the top, but then there'll be one team, Kentucky and Auburn and Alabama or somebody that just has some miraculous season and, and wins 16 games, 15 games, and really sometimes just runs away with it or you can't catch them. You know, we kept waiting that one year for Auburn to lose a game. They just never would lose one. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I had a flashback to. But hopefully Tennessee could pick up a win tomorrow against Georgia. I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the show. But today the main story is still what's going on down in Tuscaloosa. As some more details from Nick Saban's departure and some details of Nick Saban's successor have started coming out. Now that you've had a full day to digest it, do you have any different takes just first on Nick Saban leaving, just Nick Saban hanging it up? He did come out and say, hey, nothing health-related is serious enough to have sparked this. Like, I know there's some rumors out there. He's like, no, no, everybody's fine. Miss Terry's fine. I'm fine. Nobody is is sick. It was just the time to step down. Yeah, I'd heard the same about, specifically about Miss Terry. Started hearing things about, like, dementia, Alzheimer's, all sorts of other things, and that would have been horrible to hear. Um, 
So I'm happy to hear that that's not the case. For me, um, this story, now that it's had some time to marinate uh, for more than 24 hours, it's it's even bigger. Um, I would urge anybody who likes to watch good video, I get again, I know this fan base has uh, a bit of disdain for, for Saban, but there's a video that's out there uh, from Alabama football. It's about four minutes long. Tom Rinaldi put it together with them, and it's a tribute to Saban. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Yeah, I watched it last night. It's it fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what it did for me is it really framed – it just really framed the the impact and magnitude this guy has had on on the sport. Like it or not, you can, you can be a hater. Um, there's been many days where I've been a hater. Um, but the the – the imprint he's left on college football, it truly is like legendary. I mean, stating the obvious at this point, but it really is, it's really soaking in for me at this point and how big a story it is. I think I touched on it yesterday when I said, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but when John Wooden retired um, decades ago, it's that kind of corollary. I mean, that that's we'll never see that kind of domination in college basketball again. We may not see that kind of domination in college football ever again either. I know I've seen a lot of people saying that, and every time they do, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, Alabama's had a run that was, you know, kind of thought to be impossible during the modern era. But then in the back of my mind, I'm always like, well, I don't want to say never because Kirby's kind of <laughs> – Got a good start to trying to to recreate it, so I'm just kind of like, you know, maybe he's not going to reach the same levels of Saban, but I do worry that we might be dealing with uh, just the passing of the torch. So I'm trying not to to jinx that and and you know speak it into existence. But what Saban did, yeah, was the um, duration of it to me is what makes it even you know more impressive. You know, Kirby might have an eight year run, a nine year run, but like fifteen. It's twice as long, you know, it's, it's takes it to a different level. So I I pray, I pray that we don't see him, you know, just kind of pass that, you know, carry that torch and, and do the same thing. I hope you're right, Bob, that we'll never see anything like that again, but either way, we won't see it again for the first time, right? It it won't be the same feeling of seeing someone do it for the first time. We'll be a little bit numb to it. Like, okay, well, you know, not quite Alabama, but nice job, Kirby. I do wonder what it must feel like if you're, if you're an Alabama fan, you know, at this point, it's like it's been such a just such a given for you guys uh, uh, to, to have a team that just year in, year out is in the mix all the time. It's it's just a given. And that is not the case now, you know, at least for a couple of years. I, I There's no way it happens next year. I, I you know, I, I just don't see it. But I'm just happy I'm not an Alabama fan. I would at this point. Now, you know, we'll talk about some names that have surfaced for their coaching job, but just with Nick Saban being gone, I would say at this point I would be really, really surprised, borderline shocked, if they were to win a national championship in the next five years. Now, maybe that age is very poorly. Maybe that is going to blow up in my face, and maybe they'll be right back in the next couple years. But, like, just sitting here now, Knowing Nick Saban is gone, knowing what how good he was, I would be really, really surprised if they were to win a national championship in the next five years. And that statement maybe doesn't mean much to most schools because you could say that about most schools, but again, it's about Alabama, who has been you know the standard for so long. And and to me, that's just a huge win for all of college football, and of course the rest of the SEC, and of course Tennessee. 
It would be kind of funny, though, that, you know, if Nick Saban was finally gone and Alabama did take a step back and then the SEC was like, hey, yeah, we're going to get rid of that yearly rivalry now. <laughs> Tennessee-Alabama not going to have a bunch anymore so we can't get some of our licks back. That Because we've been waiting for so damn long for this guy to hang it up, and now that he finally does, maybe the SEC will be like, okay, going to gonna end uh, permanent rivalries now. I agree with you on the I, – I think – I don't think it's crazy to say that we don't see them win it all again in uh, in multiple years at least. Um, I believe that, <laughs> um, which is crazy to think, you know, because of is. course they, they had the stat that you know every four year player had won a title, so they hadn't gone longer than four years. That's right. That's right. And I guess now you know, and we'll we'll carry on throughout the first hour talking about this, but then there's the. Obviously, a lot of chatter accelerated last, you know, yesterday afternoon in terms of who's on the list, who's really on the list. I had a friend of mine call me and say, God, I saw Kirby Smarts talking to Atlanta about the Falcons job. And I was like, that's so not possible. <laughs> I mean, the, my point is, he's not even being mentioned for the Alabama job. There's no way he's going to take a, a middling NFL job. I'm, again, that's Kirby's not in that mix, in my opinion. There, but there's some other names, obviously, we're all hearing about. So. I would hope that, you know, maybe that somewhere in the back of his mind you want to be tested in the best league against the best competition. Maybe Kirby gets the juices flowing a little bit. Like, hey, I already kind of conquered college football. Let's try something different. But, yeah, we're not that lucky. All right, Sam, let's see what you got. I believe we've got it figured out how to run the traffic. We've been finally shown, like, hey, you guys are supposed to be running traffic for people. So if you're getting ready to get in your car, if you're in your car, here you go. Here's the traffic of Knoxville. Bob, you said you had something. Yeah, to no, I was just going to say, I've had people asking me, it was like, love the show, but where's the traffic, man? <laughs> well, hopefully the traffic is coming now. Let's see what you got, Sam. Uh, not great. Not great, Sam. I give you a C-, minus, and that's hey, with a little try. bit of a curve of it being your first time. <laughs> I'll take a little bit of the blame for putting pressure on you by... By making it a thing, because had you just played two commercials and then boom, traffic, people be like, oh, nice, traffic's back. But instead, I tell everybody, you're about to play traffic, and then boom, commercials. Or at you least needed one to set the bar really low. And then half of the commercial, and then you stop, <laughs> and then we get traffic. and uh, C-minus. You needed to set the bar low. C-minus, I will Sam. be better on the next traffic. That was just, uh, you know, a force of habit. Got the got the trigger finger already on the, on the commercials. We'll try it again at, I think, at, what, 745. We'll, we'll give you a chance for redemption. I've okay. already got people calling me and texting me saying. <laughs> I'm done with the show. Yeah, <laughs> you, you had one job, and uh, nah, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. <laughs> we might be looking for replacements after uh, Sam quits today <laughs> due to uh, embarrassment and shame that he has brought on his family. Alabama, of course, looking for a replacement. They got told thanks but no thanks by Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning said, nope, staying at Oregon, put out a video. Kind of a cringy video, but whatever. Dan Lanning saying he's not going anywhere, staying with the Ducks, unfinished business, all that. You had Steve Sarkeesian put out a similar message this morning saying go Longhorns or go Horns, basically implying he's staying. And late last night you saw ESPN, some reporters, Start circulating three names. And then I saw Alabama beat writers, message board insiders, or I guess 
writers on message boards confirming the three names. Those names, Kalen DeBoer from Washington, Mike Norvell from Florida State. But, and Butch Jones. Not Butch Jones. No. I, so, don't say that because my sweet mother has asked me multiple days. She keeps she's in she's in these Facebook groups and she keeps saying my Facebook groups keep saying it's going to be Butch Jones. I'm like, mom, I know there are pictures of Butch Jones out there and people are doing. It. I was like, they're making fun of him. It's not actually going to happen. She's like, well, that's what they keep saying. I was like, they might believe it. But I was like, trust me, trust me. I'm your son. I keep up with it. It's not going to be Butch Jones. Trust me, mom. I was like, maybe Lane Kiffin. If they say Lane Kiffin, I was like, that one maybe happens. She's like, well, yeah, Lane will be good there. I was like, well, maybe he will be. But I was like, trust me, it's not going to be Butch Jones. And don't fall for the Derek Dooley thing either. It's not going to be him either. So don't say that. I don't want to digress, but, and I think this is cool, by the way. You, you talk to your mom pretty regularly, right? Yeah, especially during sports time stuff. She likes to keep up and That's ask awesome. me questions. Yeah, and these damn Facebook groups, I'm telling you. The misinformation. I understand how the election and how the political landscape changed in America because there's so many things. And I don't know if you saw over the weekend or maybe on Monday, but we even talked about this. But the guy that said, like, hey, here's an AI video of me talking. That took, did you see this, by the way? No. Yeah, this guy, a little bit of a divergent here. But he said, here is a 30-second video of me talking that has been taken from another video of me talking and put into AI. So now AI has my face and my voice and the way my mouth moves. And it created a 30-second video of him saying something. He's like, that's not me. He's like, this is wow. a computer. He's like, this isn't me. But here, watch this. And, you know, it just made me realize we're, we're cooked as a society when it comes to sure. to facts. And, I don't like AI. Yeah, AI, AI is too close to the devil as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. But... We gave you the two names of sitting head coaches. Kalen DeBoer has been a beast at Washington. Mike Norvell, I think, kind of went from the hot seat a couple seasons ago to now in really good standing at Florida State. And the third name that circulated is not a head coach, but it's the funniest one of all of them. Tommy Reese, currently uh, the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Apparently he is number three on the list, according to Alabama Insiders. Yeah, wow. Um, that would explain maybe, maybe we heard all these stories about how Nick was still interviewing assistants and everything else literally like the day before uh, he announced his retirement. Um, because we are hearing reports that, you know, Nick may, you know, what did you say, John's going to have an office and on campus. And Well, that was another thing that came out is that Alabama has said, yeah, Nick Saban is going to still have an office in Bryant-Denny and is going to be around working with the football program, which, of course, to me, seems like a bad idea. It seems to add to the stress of taking that job and following a legend. Not only do you have to follow that legend, but you now have to work with him every day and see him Maybe not every day, but at least a couple times a week. Yeah, we heard the same about Shashevsky though, too. And I don't think he's doing it as much, but I I don't know. Nick's Nick's a special breed too, as far as how driven he is. I, that that is that does give you pause. But back to Reese for a second. Um, it might explain why some of that stuff's happening. And also, boy, I just can't imagine Alabama would take the mindset of. We're going to accept maybe a year or two of a reset. Um, maybe they're looking at this as a, as a play to, 
retain recruits, all this other stuff, because Reese is in the current mix. I don't know, man. Um, or maybe it's just a courtesy to Reese, too. It's hard to tell. I don't know what to attribute it to, you know, because it's not like he is a longtime Alabama assistant that they're ready to give a chance to. It's not like he's even thought of as a promising hotshot coordinator. It's not Bob Stoops passing the torch to Lincoln Riley because right. Tommy Reese ain't Lincoln Riley. I do want to remind you all that the last play of Nick Saban's career was a quarterback power from the five-yard line. Tommy Reese called that. That's not a that's not a play that makes me look and say, oh yeah, there's a head coach in, in waiting. So for him to be on the list, maybe it's just like you said, a courtesy. Hey, it's a thing of respect to be like, okay, well, if you're going to interview everybody, let's at least give this guy a chance to pitch his case. And if he knocks it out of the ballpark and can promise some type of staff and promise some type of vision and enough of the players come and go to bat for him that maybe – it's a plan, what'd you call it, Sam, a plan G? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Good. yeah, maybe it's just like, okay, well, let's get familiar with this guy. Let's go ahead and interview him since he's here. Because I have to travel to Florida to see Mike Norvell. I have to travel to Washington to see uh, to see DeBoer. We got this guy here in our backyard. Let's just go ahead and throw him an interview while we're at it. Maybe. But, like, I was, I couldn't control my laughter whenever I saw oh. the name Tommy Reese. Like, please, please, Alabama. Please hire Tommy Reese. Imagine if you're an Alabama fan. Oh, yeah. Just what we were talking about earlier. It's like uh, I thought about them for a second. Then I really thought about them on this, in this instance. I mean, uh, you want to talk about not that they'll care necessarily uh, at an administrative level, but just imagine what the, what the backlash will be from the fan base if this happens. It's not going to happen. No way. There's no way. Are we that blessed? Yeah. I'll say no. I'll say no. But if you're Kalen DeBoer and you get offered this job and you are at Washington, you're, you're taking this job, right? I would right. think so. Right? Like, I would think so. I think so, too. Probably. It feels like Oregon and Michigan and Ohio State are kind of going to be those next big players in the Big Ten. Like, they've got – all of those NFL players leaving this year, and like you've kind of got to reset almost in your first year of being in the Big Ten. It kind of feels like it's you're taking a step back once you go to the Big Ten when you could walk into something in Alabama that's pretty much already laid out for you. His time, I mean, his, his time as a head coach has been very successful. Outside of his the COVID year, his first season at Fresno State, where he went three and three, you remove that, and he is a coach that has a 34 and six record. That that's a that's a easy thing to sell, and it's not, you know the Fresno State nine and three okay whatever, but then he went to Washington, and he has gone twenty five and three at Washington with you know one of those losses being in the national championship to Michigan. So from a wins and losses standpoint, I don't think there's a better candidate out there. Now, I, but but what I would say is that are we sure that Alabama? And that fan base is going to welcome an outsider. And I know that Nick Saban wasn't thought of as a Southern guy per se, but at least he had already had his run in the SEC and proven his worth at LSU, had proven he could coach in the South, right? Because when you look at Kalen DeBoer, he is from South Dakota. 
he has coached, I guess the furthest south he has been is Indiana. Because mm-hmm. I imagine that is further south than southern Illinois, but I, I don't know. I'm not really a geography guy. But either way, southern Illinois or Indiana, that's, that's the farthest south as he has coached football. And maybe that shouldn't matter, but I do think it kind of does matter to a big portion of that fan base. I would think so. Um, I'm very impressed with Kalen DeBoer, what I've seen so far. Um, his story is pretty great. Done nothing but win, but he is definitely uh, he's definitely a northerner. And uh, I don't know. I, I think back to some of the other coaches Alabama's had. It's really that's you know that's that would be a departure for them for sure. Well, at least Nick Saban again, who's from West Virginia, but you know started his career up in the north and was at Michigan State, at least he had a bit of a southern draw. Right? Like at least at West Virginia gave him a little bit. You can convince yourself, okay, he's, he's got enough country in him where he can be one of us. And he, he was sharp-dressed and didn't look like one of you, but he did talk slow enough, right? and we're going to play good. Right? And like that, that worked out. DeBoer doesn't have that. But, you know, like you said, his resume is impressive. And I do think he would be a really good coach there. There would be drop off from Nick Saban, so it's still a win, but like it wouldn't be, you know, anywhere near a disaster for Alabama. Like the, the gulf between hiring Kalen DeBoer and settling for Tommy Reese to me is as wise as the Grand Canyon. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You know, we talk about Tommy Reese, who is an offensive coordinator, uh, claims he is, um, but. What I've seen from DeBoer and Washington, and and we saw it again. We I think we talked about this earlier in the week, leading into the national championship game, uh, the one year that Indiana was highly competitive, top ten team. It was an asterisk year with you know off the heels of COVID, et cetera. But they had a legitimate offense, really really powerful. Michael Penix had something to do with that, but Kalen DeBoer was the coordinator. In terms of the product you're going to get, modern football, all those things, um, I that's why I think that's another unique selling point for Kalen DeBoer. Um, more so than more so than Tommy Reese, who yeah. is an offensive coordinator. Do you think there would be similar? Do you think people are going to make comparisons to Brian Harson and his time at Auburn if you hire Kalen DeBoer because Brian Harson came from? You know the like that same kind of part of the country up there in Boise, <laughs> came down to Alabama, wasn't an SEC guy, didn't fit culturally, and just never ever felt comfortable at Auburn. Now you know Auburn didn't win, and and Boise State is a step down from Washington. Obviously, like going twelve and two at Boise State and five and two in the COVID year. It's not the same as going, what I say, 25-3 and three at Washington. So right. I, I know that they're standing inside the college football rankings and, and they're standing inside the college football world in terms of who's better would be different. But I do think there's maybe some similarities there from a guy coming from that part of the country down to Alabama to coach. The only thing I would say is just what I've seen, obviously never had any conversations with the guy. Harson had an edge to him, um, which – I don't think did him any favors. There were other things, obviously, outside of the football that didn't do him any favors at Auburn, too. But um, DeBoer comes off as just a genuinely affable, good good dude who, you know, engages with the media, does all the other things. I mean, there's a lot of things that he checks off the list. Um, and I do think he's, yeah, he's 
performed at a higher level than a Harson too. But, um, but what about Norvell? We've we've yeah, Norvell. Uh, I guess being number two, or I guess he could still pass DeBoer with the interview process. I do think the prospect of of him jumping ship from Florida State becomes more appealing. After yesterday, the NCAA was kind of like, hey, Florida State, this whole NIL stuff you're doing, you, you, you've you been busted for, what is it called, enticement, trying to pay these players to come to your school. We, we've we got you. We've got one of your boosters. You're having to disassociate with your big NIL collective for a season. Level two violations, assistant coach getting a three-game ban. The NCAA did clear Norvell of any wrongdoing and said he did a good job of cooperating and, and blowing the whistle and doing all those things. But maybe if you're him, that would be a good time to look and say, okay, time to get out of here and go to Alabama. Well, that and coupled with all the stink now that's on you know FSU from the standpoint of how they're trying to extricate themselves from the ACC. They've inquired about that, what it would cost, all these other things. And, and it was clear, look, the, the college football playoffs, again, say what you want. It looks like they, they picked four good teams. Florida State probably wouldn't have been the right match for the for the college football playoffs. But there was a lot of belly aching about that, and there's a lot of, I don't know, if you're an ACC person, it's like, okay, so is this how our conference is going to stack up now? College football playoffs are coming in an expanded form. That'll change a little, but still, I just think maybe Norvell – He'd have interest in it because it's Alabama, but also there's there's other intangibles maybe as to why he's like, maybe it's time to just get out of here. I think both Norvell and DeBoer would accept the job if offered. I think I think if you're at Washington, now maybe, you know, you've seen it in the past, those Washington coaches do love Washington, right? Like they, they don't want to leave and – Chris Peterson was like, hey, I'm going to retire here, basically. And, you know, it was, anytime he was mentioned for a Southern job, I was like, nope, Washington's my home. Maybe it's a cultural thing. And, you know, we talked about DeBoer being a – not being a guy that's been in the South. Maybe he doesn't want to be. Maybe he wants to stay there. Maybe he wants to take his chance at the Big Twi- the Big Ten and, and you know, keep it rolling at Washington and kind of become the new guy there. He's not the one following Peterson, I don't believe, right? He is going to not have to come be the one following Saban. So maybe he just rides it out. Norvell, on the other hand, though, like I'd be surprised for all the things you said, Bob, if he was like, hey, no, I'm going to stay at Florida State. Because you say it's going to get better with the 12-team playoff. I think it has a chance of getting worse whenever you look and you have three Big Ten teams and three or four SEC teams and only one ACC team in the playoff or two at most in years. I can see that, you know, gulf getting wider, especially as they're locked into their TV deal yeah. for the next, like, 10 years in the ACC. I thought the ACC did themselves a disservice, and in large part it was led by Florida State, ironically enough, playing down the conference. Playing down the conference, playing down the, you know, the Power Five dynamic and basically saying, hey, the ACC isn't on par with these other conferences when it comes to money and it comes to prestige and all of those things. I think that had a big part of Florida State getting left out because you can't really – say you won a power conference because everything you've told us the last couple of years is that the ACC isn't actually a power conference, that it's not the SEC, that it's not the Big Ten. So now if you're Mike Norvell and you do end up getting an offer to jump ship and go to the premier conference at the premier school, to me it would seem like a slam dunk. 
you know, you've done what you did at Florida State. The fans can't blame you for what happened last year. Like, you leave there on a high note. You can make the case you peaked. You could do whatever. But I think it would be an easy jump for him. I would tell you as someone who'd be rooting against Alabama, I'd rather they get Norvell than Kalen DeBoer. I think DeBoer has – I think there's more upside to DeBoer than there is with Norvell. Sam, agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I feel like Kalen DeBoer is a guy who hasn't exactly recruited the the best talent, I guess, you know, in terms of some other high-profile programs around the country. It feels like DeBoer is a guy that's great at getting guys into his program and developing them and, you know, turning them into solid college football players. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like if you give DeBoer those those recruiting grounds and you give him those resources that Alabama's program has – you know, he'll be able to get the top talent in there and develop it like he already was at Washington. To me, Norvell kind of feels like a guy that's really relying on, you know, the transfer portal just like last year and a guy that really kind of needs that top-tier talent to be able to put together a top-tier team. Well, that's what gives me pause, though, is that Norvell has shown he can raid the transfer portal. Like, Florida State has been maybe the premier team at landing talent in the transfer portal. They go out and get studs. Whether it be Jared Verse, you know, from from his school, or or bringing in Coleman from from Michigan State, and you know, just yesterday they got an Alabama offensive lineman to come to Florida State. I don't know if DeBoer's ever had to play that game at a high level. I mean, I know Phoenix went from Indiana to Washington, but it was kind of over for Phoenix at Indiana, like it, that it kind of ran its course. So, on face value, I agree with what you say about DeBoer, but there is a part of me that thinks. Maybe we've been underestimating Norvell this entire time because he has been in the South. He has recruited Florida, of course. He, his time at Memphis, I'm sure he made some ties just throughout the, the South in general. But I think we underestimate Norvell a little bit. I, I do think we kind of don't think of him as a upper-tier coach. And maybe he's not yet, but I do think he has had a pretty good run the last two years at Florida State and, and maybe should be taken a little bit more seriously. Definitely, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, speaking for myself, I don't associate him in a top tier. Yeah, doesn't mean he's a bad coach. I think he's a good coach and an up and comer, but I just don't think he's there yet. So I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, and he might not get there. He might not get there, but I just don't know, resume wise, what you can point to to say like emphatically, because I I, I think a lot of Tennessee fans, at least the ones in my life, agree with you in terms of. Yeah, Norvell, I wouldn't really be afraid of him. DeBoer, man, that would be tough. That would be that would be brutal. But like when you just look at their last two years, Florida State is twenty three and four. And I said Washington was what, twenty five and three? Correct. I know the Pac twelve was good this year, but usually most times we'll say it's pretty comparable to the ACC. So to me, like they're they're pretty similar. They're pretty similar, especially if you throw out the the loss to Georgia this year with a you know depleted team, and you know, I know that was embarrassing and everything, but like he didn't have his first or second string mostly. But I don't know. To me, they're pretty similar, and one's been in the South, one hasn't. Do you think Alabama wants to play that game of just kind of like building a roster year by year in the portal? No, no, I would say not, and I would say that you know the the, the talks from Bama would be whoever they hire would almost be pressured into keeping certain guys on staff. That was a report from the Alabama guys. Like, there's there's some coaches here on staff with the recruiting ties that would be seen as valuable. So maybe 
when Alabama, when Greg Byrne is going to meet with these coaches, he's like, hey, you're not going to have full control of your staff. If we give you this job, there are certain things you have to do. There are certain concessions you have to give us. You have to keep this, this, and this guy who has ties to this, this, and this guy and can keep your roster together. You have to keep them on staff. And you might run into problems. You might run into pushback there from these candidates because both Norvell and DeBoer, yeah, they should be excited about the prospect of coaching Alabama. But at the same time, they both were top five teams this year. They might think that they are good doing things the way they want. Some of those coaches don't want to be told what to do. I mean, even during even David Cutcliffe, right? Isn't that what he pushed back on? The years that Tennessee was kind of rumored to want to hire him, they were like, hey, David, you can come, but you can't bring that Duke staff with you. And he's like, well, I'm not going to take it then. I want my guys. So I can't imagine, you know, and that was David Cutcliffe at Duke. I can't imagine being Mike Norvell at Florida State or or Kalen DeBoer coming off the national championship runner-up and being told, hey, you can't have your full staff. So that could be a wrinkle to it to consider as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like, you've been successful in, in all of your ventures. Would you like it if a company is like, hey, you can't do things your way. You have to kind of follow this path and we're going to lay it out for you? Because you'd be like, well, I could be the boss of myself over here and do my thing. Or I can come here and, yeah, I'll get a little bit of a pay raise, but now I'm going to be micromanaged and Nick Saban's going to be down the hallway checking in on practice and doing things like that. No, it's true. And when you're building something that's going to have the magnitude of a program like Alabama, yeah, I, I agree. You're building a business or whatever it may be. You want to bring in people that you have succeeded with in the past and that you know you're going to vibe with basically i mean that's that's a given so that is an unknown that you know if alabama is taking that tact of hey you can don't you love this opportunity however you're gonna have to keep this this and this and like you said this guy's down the hall he's gonna have some thoughts too but you're gonna be great you know that's that that definitely tarnishes the opportunity a little bit I would say that's part of the reason I think Tommy Reese is on the list and I think that's part of the reason I think Tommy Reese is actually a legitimate candidate now again I I don't think he's on par with the two guys we've been talking about but I do think they could look at that and say okay if Nick Saban's going to be in this office and can help groom him and show him the ropes and you just keep the rest of this staff together that maybe we can we can do things our way and teach him the Alabama way versus somebody coming in from an outside and trying to change the Alabama culture. No, that's exactly a possibility. It's what kind of what I touched on earlier too with Reese is that maybe they're that's why Saban's talking to potential assistants and everything else. Uh, another an analogy to use that with is in college basketball, and it's relatively current. They did it at Butler University. They called it the Butler way, where you know after Brad Stevens, they wouldn't they they kept working off the system within they wouldn't go outside to look at anybody as a coach um and i I, to a degree they're still doing it you know thad mata came back and is coaching there now and that was his first successful job so um that is one way to approach it it's maybe alabama is that um firmly entrenched in the belief that if hey if we have nick in the hallway still occasionally we can plug anybody in as long as it's been somebody who has been exposed to the culture, does it the Alabama way. I still think that that's, that does not beget just immediate success. I don't see it. Twitter writes said many forget that Florida State had their hands hovering over the fire Mike Norvell button not that long ago, which, yeah, I mean, it, it 
it was there, but I will say that I think he rebounded. I think he survived. And to that, I would say you could you could say the same thing about the guy that just won the national championship, right? Like Jim Harbaugh didn't have the best standing at Michigan prior to the last two years or three years. Oh, I guess. yeah. I guess three years. Like it, oh. it kind of been like, hey, you know, maybe this guy doesn't have it. And coming out of the COVID season – you know, they reworked his contract to get have an easier out. It wasn't even about a successful season. He beat Ohio State in just the nick of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. truly. The they, first they made time the playoff after doing that, but, like, yeah, beating Ohio State, ending that streak, it was a big deal. Yeah. All right, let's try it again, Sam. Let's see what you got. Update on traffic. I believe in you. Traffic, traffic, You can do it. Traffic. Do you Have I properly stalled for you? Do you have it ready to go? <laughs> Give me a thumbs up when you're ready. All right, let's hit some traffic. We'll come back on the morning show right here on Fan Run Radio. All right, Bob, you throw out the grade this time for for Sam on uh, traffic take two. I was yeah. probably a D with, a, with some dead air. I, man, do I need to come back there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I love you, Sam. I, I, I've and I long ago I've been there when it's not all triggered properly <laughs> and it's a it is a horrible feeling oh it's um, a miserable feeling yeah it's like and and what <clears throat> excuse me what feels what's in reality about 5 or 6 seconds feels like about 50 right right, right. you know it's, uh, <laughs> so i'm with you man you're all right miserable miserable feeling although people in the car probably wouldn't have even noticed the brake nah. being like a little bit of dead air had you not said anything but you know it i know and it. we know it but like i hold myself accountable like, ah, it's a little bit of a delay but <laughs> I've, I've got a participation award in my car that i'll, 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 I'll bring to you after the show it's, pin it up yeah a, a fair rebuttal coming back uh, about my point about jim harbaugh the way Jim Harbaugh did get back on track and did save his job was by cheating so fair point by you fair point by you <laughs> he did have to cheat to get off the hot seat. So, yeah, maybe. But I guess Norvell was kind of cheating at Florida State, too, yeah. I guess, with these uh, these NIL recruits and uh, getting in trouble. So Side side comment about the NCAA and NIL. Again, there's, you know, there's points of view on that that in the grand scheme of things, I mean, there's some improprieties there, but that's like small potatoes. The NCAA trying to kind of come in and flex now on NIL is cracking me up. It's a joke. I mean, they're, they're kind of saying, you know, this is about – two to three years too late you know it's like you're trying to chase a runaway train it doesn't happen but i digress i will at least applaud them for doing it to florida state in the past they'll be like hey kansas basketball is really cheating what are we going to do all right punish oklahoma state <laughs> teach oklahoma state a lesson right. kate cunningham can't play in the tournament right. at least they did go after a, a team like florida state which at least still has some some pull and some standing so i'll give them a little bit of credit but yeah like you said the runaway train, that's about pretty accurate. You're not going to be able to catch it. You're not going to be able to stop it. No. All right, so we've talked about three names. Tommy Reese, my my personal choice. I think that's who Alabama should go. I think he would be a home run higher. Uh, Mike Norvell and Kalen DeBoer. But outside of those three, there are some other names that have circulated. Saw a lot of buzz yesterday for Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland, to kind of be at least in the mix for this job. Your thoughts on Mike Loxley? Well, he's – I guess he's done an okay job at Maryland. He has the Alabama ties. I get all that, but man, do you really? I just that's another one where it's like, is that all you got? That's if you're Alabama again, kind of a, a an iconic program. They really were even before Saban, and now they surely are. And again, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'd be like, God, I'm, is that all there is? I would. I'd want more than that. 
I would imagine that Mike Loxley, I don't know if he's represented by Jimmy Sexton, but I would imagine something there is like, float my name, please, so I can get a new contract. Because, I mean, he has made three straight bowl games, won three straight bowl games, had three straight winning seasons. Now, those seasons were 7-6, 8-5, and and 8-5. and But when you're coming from what Maryland was coming from, I'd say Loxley's done a pretty good job now. Would he get anybody excited at Alabama? No, no, I don't think so. And their fan base, I think, would be irate. I think he'd come in and be an eight and four coach in the SEC, if I was guessing. But does have ties to Alabama, so I guess it makes sense that his name would be floated at some point. Although I do think he's just going to stay at Maryland and get a raise. Yeah, you know there. I didn't. I read that. Maryland, when they played Michigan this season, they might have scored the most points against Michigan. I think that is right. Yeah. Um, Look at Talia go. Yeah, and they were a one. It was a one possession uh, difference in the score at the final. But uh, I just he hasn't been bad at Maryland. I mean, no, like no. I say, he's been solid. But yeah, they, and I, and I think that's all Maryland expects there. Quite honestly, is sure. if they can just compete and go to bowl games of some sort every season. Well, mission accomplished and. You're right. Maybe Loxley's just taking his approach of, man, I'm not getting this job, but let's let's be Float in the my mix. name. Yeah. Please. Let me go renegotiate my deal in, in College Park. I get it. Um, Maryland really fighting uphill with the Under Armour deal. Like uh, Once Under Armour quit being cool, their program had no chance of succeeding in basketball or, or football, really. Both taking huge step backs. How about this other guy that was whose name has been mentioned? We were just talking about it in the break. The guy who I'm tired of hearing about this season, Eli Drinkwitz. Is that is that even possible that he would be in the conversation? Where would you rank him in terms of some of the names we've talked about? Would you rather have him than Mike Loxley if you're yeah. Alabama? Yes. Yeah. Would you, You'd rather have him than Tommy Reese as well, right? Yes. Yeah. But not over DeBoer and, and Norvell, I wouldn't imagine. No. I'd put him at third, yeah. Okay. For as corny as he is, he's a pretty good coach, and he re- he's recruiting well out of Arizona. I I I know he's I know he's corny, but I still kind of I can still kind of like him. I'll be honest. Maybe I maybe I just have a soft spot for him. Maybe it's a weakness, <laughs> but maybe I just love personality and like you know we're so devoid of it in college sports that anybody showing a, just a crumb of it gets a stamp of approval from me. I will say this: we talked about this coming out of the break about uh, NIL and the NCAA and. Then also, uh, this kind of folds into some of the madness with realignment. Do you remember his uh, press conference where he spoke about conference realignment mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season? It was fantastic. It was like some of the most thoughtful and intelligent points of view on what's going to be wrong with it um, from anybody I've heard. So I will give a tip of the hat to him on that. Uh, I think he's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, now. If we're talking about him, the one person we haven't talked about, and I don't think he we, – we said this yesterday. I think we concur on this. I don't think this guy's in the mix. But where would you rank if you – okay, you have DeBoer, you have Norvell. We just said Drinkwitz three. But what if Kiffin was in the mix? Would you rather have Kiffin or Drinkwitz? At this point, I prob- – it's so hard to judge. I, I don't know how to judge Drinkwitz because – I think the job they did this year and, you know, going 11-2 and two was really good, but also it's only been one year. I can't ignore the, the what, 11-15 and 11 and 15 record in the SEC he has in the three years prior. 
And it's not like Missouri was an absolute train wreck when he took over. So, I mean, like, I know they weren't great, but they weren't like a train wreck. I go with Kiffin. I go with Kiffin over him, especially at Alabama. Now, you know, like, whether or not Kiffin still has the right ties at Alabama, you know, we talked about him getting fired and left, you know, out in the cold before their national championship game. Maybe Drinkwitz is a more legitimate candidate because of that. But, no, I'll still take Kiffin over Drinkwitz when just ranking coaches. I think he's got a little bit more of the cutthroat recruiting, transfer portal stuff, but I don't know who's a better coach in terms of, like, moving forward. Kevin's done more to earn the job. Yeah. But, like, if, if Drinkwitz coming in the top preseason top ten, if he can put another season up there, then maybe you look at him differently. He stands on business. He, he sure does. I love he whipped it. our ass. This year. Sure did. Just this one year. We 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 whipped his ass the two years prior, but he did he did get us this year. But it's another name that like you're you're gonna think you're above. And that's the that's the ultimate over overarching problem of this coaching search is no one's gonna be good enough because you're replacing Nick Saban. Like no one is going to meet those expectations that he has created. I know those national championships that Alabama won in the past are, are great, and I know that like you'll always be able to hang your hat on that, but it, it creates these expectations that that's what you're supposed to do. And I know the fans are going to be happy that they had them, but all that does is make you want more. I don't want to call it an addiction, but like, hey, once you get money, you don't want to be poor again. Right. If you're poor and you've always been poor – it's no different. You just go and you know how to make it work and you go to work, you come home, you you grind, but if you're if you're rich and you make all this money and you be, you get accustomed to a lifestyle and then you're poor, that's when you're really in hell. And that's kind of where Alabama is teetering on right now if we were really 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 wealthy, but hey, the stock market just crashed and we might be in trouble and and you know, I don't know if you're familiar with history, Sam, but go read about all the people that killed themselves in the 20s when the stock market crashed. It's kind of what Alabama might be facing. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Well, it is in Knoxville. <laughs> it is in Knoxville. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two next with uh, catching you up from things that happened last night. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.